Hello everyone, this is the inaugural episode of the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Cannabis Sativa. For starters, I'd like to talk about a common condition which a lot of people have and a lot of people deal with. Um, and this, this condition, a lot of people try to use medical cannabis or, or other pharmaceuticals to treat. Um, and this condition happens to be insomnia. Many, much, much of the data that, much of the data and much of the information that I'm going to cite comes from a helpful YouTuber, which I find very informative, called Osmosis. I will for, I will for the first half of this podcast, um, go over, go over the nitty gritty of many medical conditions um whether whether it's through talking about the condition, you know, talking about its symptoms, talking about who it affects, talking about, you know, what people with this condition tend to go through. So, it'll sort of just be me sort of talking about talking about medicine or talking about illnesses from a from more or less a layman's perspective. All right. So here's here's the basic info on on insomnia. Insomnia or the inability to fall and to stay asleep has many different causes. Due to the due to it could be due to psychiatric illness, allergies, endocrine issues, arthritis, asthma, Parkinson's, or or even chronic pain. Insomnia is usually categorized by trouble falling asleep or, or trouble staying asleep. It, 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 it is acute when it lasts less than a month, and it's said to be chronic or a chronic condition when, it, when that said condition lasts for over a month. Um, insomnia can often affect the qual, qual, quantity and the quality of sleep making it hard for people to get recovery and, and restoration that you that many get from sleep so we need sleep to sort of recharge our batteries more or less you know like you know if we, if you were to think of us as like a a battery or, or whatnot or a, a, a laptop or whatever when a laptop is down to one percent or even zero percent it, it, it's said to be depleted or it's said to be that it's said to be that the battery is dead, and you plug it through. You plug your laptop, or your tablet, or your cell phone. You, you use you use either an AC, you use either the AC adapter that came with it, or you, or you use a USB charging cable to recharge it. And that's what that's what sleep is doing to us. You know, we're we're you know, it's like it's like we're machines, or we're we're devices and when we get depleted we need some sort of mechanism to recharge our batteries so to speak or to to give ourselves energy once once we've gone through the entire day and have used our energy whether through work through you know maintaining our house or you know taking care of kids or grandkids or anything like that so we need some we need something to restore our energy and to and to re- recharge ourselves when, when 
we've we've lost all our energy. So that's basically what sleep does. And in insomnia, people have trouble getting that sleep that's needed to recharge their batteries and put them at at a at, at a spot where they can do their day to day activities. So so insomnia basically affects the qual quality and quantity of sleep and causes and with that it causes daytime sleepiness and fatigue as well as irritability, anxiety and depression. It leads to professional and personal problems for a lot of people and and, and that can create a lot of day-to-day -day challenges. It can also occur without an underlying cause and can worsen pre-existing issues such as pulmonary diseases or psychiatric diseases. It can also be caused by stimulants and depressants, most, most notably um, caffeine or, or alcohol, or the most traditional sort of stimulants and depressants. And it can also, and insomnia can also be caused by external stressors like, like work, relationships, or um, or the the shift that you work at at your job. So if you work like a night shift or some some sort of other traditional, untraditional um, shift, your 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 sleep rhythms can be affected by that and that that can trigger or, or cause insomnia for some people um and it can also be caused by you know waking up to 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 fulfill a responsibility like taking care of, of young babies or young children that that can also start or or cause insomnia in some individuals um, and the biological factors. Insomnia often heightens body, the body level of the hormone cortisol, which plays a process in waking up. People with insomnia are more sensitive to its effects, typically waking up a lot easier than people without insomnia. It also reduces the levels of estrogen and testosterone within individuals and many people with insomnia when when it becomes chronic sometimes can me self-medicate with alcohol or benzodiazepines and in terms of treatment um Many traditional treatments are recommend reducing one's alcohol intake, um, exercising, avoiding daytime naps, getting a good getting good sleep hygiene. So, you know, a doctor might recommend that you have good sleep habits, such as only using your bed for rest or um, waking up and sleeping at the same exact times every single day, which which are which is recommended to get one's rhythms back in, in motion. Um, so yeah, so waking up, at, so basically, yeah, so waking up at the same time and, and, and sleeping at the same time, even on weekends. And and um, as well as you reducing phone use in the computer screens before bed. 
And also another one that, that's recommended for tre for treatment is to not force sleep to happen or to change in it, your your environment when you're having trouble sleeping. And also one some of the other treatment options are also therapy, you know, or being prescribed melatonin agonists or um, benzodiazepines for the right people as well as non-benzodiazepine-related medicines. So, I guess that, that wraps up what insomnia entails and what, what causes it, as well as treatment options for it. Okay, so now this is the second half of our podcast. Um, the second half is when we usually try to, or when I usually try to interview other patients about their 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 cannabis journey and, and how they rediscovered cannabis or even discovered it for the first time to treat their ailments for this first episode since i don't have since i haven't scheduled anyone to interview i'm going to use this episode or this half to talk about my cannabis journey and my experiences with cannabis as well as rediscovering it for medicinal purposes after abstaining for career and reputational reasons. So I'm going to go over why I started this podcast. It's sort of crazy when you think about it, the times that we live in, you know, if, if you told me about 10 years ago that nine states including the District of Columbia, so, I mean, you can say 10, basically, have would have legalized marijuana for recreational purposes. I, I would have thought that it was crazy or that it was far-fetched. It's amazing to see what, what, what progress that we've made in such a short amount of time. But I still fear that it has mostly been intellectual, and that we haven't, we haven't really, we've won, we've won over the minds of people for the most part in, in, in seeing that cannabis should be legal, but we haven't really gained the hearts, the genuine hearts of, of, of people, as you're still seeing some pushback and some stalling in states that have legalized it or have voted to make it legal whether for medical purposes or whether for recreational adult use. So many towns, so many towns and cities in my home state of Massachusetts have, have put bans or outright monitoriums on, on cannabis, meaning that they're not allowing it to be sold within their city or town limits. And even in California, which has been a pioneer in, in, in cannabis and the legalization front, even even they're having issues and even they're facing pushback by people who have reefer madness sort of mindsets. It, it is said from one article that I've read, I think it was the Mercury News from Cal California, I'm not, not sure on that, but it was said that only one that recreational marijuana is only available in one out of seven towns within the state so even even in places like california which have had it had medical marijuana for about two decades even even they are still fighting hang-ups and they're still fighting 
outdated puritanical mindsets with with regards to this beautiful and amazing plant. It just seems that the silent majority wants cannabis to be legal, but doesn't want it in their backyard. And I just wish that we can light a fire under this sort of silent majority's sort of but, you know, it's, it's it's very, very frustrating, and I, I just wish that we had, we just wish we can get current activists and current patients and current recreational users to continue to fight stronger and harder, being as we're, we're in the home stretch and, and legalization. Although, although we have 10 states that have legalized it, or let's say 9, and then in nine plus DC, we still have a ways to go in, in sort of changing people's mindsets and getting people to be understanding of this as as they are with with alcohol. You can get alcohol in all fifty states without any real issue, but cannabis, it's like pe people still are still sort of clutch, cl clutching their pearls in terms of wanting to have it legal, and are still spouting erroneous sort of information and erroneous sort of falsehoods about a plant that has helped so many people and that is basically harmless and a lot less dangerous than, than alcohol which kills tens of thousands each year this and the fact is that this is medicine for a lot of people and I don't like being treated like I'm some sort of degenerate because of my choice of medicine. I just wish we can just change hearts faster and, and more efficiently than we're doing right now. And this is a, sort of the main sticking point as to why this podcast is, is needed. And I, I get that many people try cannabis in, in high school and college and later decide that it doesn't work for them personally. And I'm glad that there are people out there that put aside their maybe their dislike or their or they yeah they put aside their dislike or it not really being compatible with them and they vote for it to be legal anyways and shout out to all those people that do that like they have my deep respect you know and like like any movement you need people that you need people that aren't personally involved but that want to advocate for others you need you need people that don't really have a dog in the fight to to stand up for people that do and that you mean that's that's why we have things that's that's why things like gay marriage have been legal because many straight people many heterosexual people stood up for it and 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 advocated on on the behalf of people within that community so you, you, so you're going to need people that don't have a dog in the fight that are are fighting for this, and I'm I'm glad that people many people put aside their differences and have voted yes for lifting the ban and lifting prohibition of, of, of cannabis. I I I think I think what we would really need in the long run. Is for many of our peers that do, that don't use or don't indulge to show more solidarity with us. So I I mean this in in the sense that 
we we can get more we need to get more of them writing to their congress people or 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 going or going to city council meetings where these bans or monitoriums on 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 medical marijuana or recreational marijuana are happening you're going to we're going to need we're going to need people and more more voices you know standing up for us you know and i feel like that's really going to help in terms of, of of making this legal and making this federally legal nationwide we're just we're just going to need more voices it, just, it can't just be us patients and and, and recreational users that are voicing their concerns with it. We, we're going to need all hands on deck if we're going to end prohibition federally once and for all. So next I'd sort of like to talk about me and sort of my journey into using cannabis. So I'll start off by saying that I'm, that I'm 28 years old and um, I've been using cannabis on and off since I've, I turned 19. And my journey into cannabis initially began when I was in college and I first consumed for recreational purposes within my social circles. And when I graduated college for professional and reputation reasons due to cannabis lingering stigma, I decided to cease usage to make a living for myself and find gainful employment. So I mean, do I mean even even when I was a young man finishing college, I I knew that I knew that for my long term career interests that there there's still many people with this prejudice and that I had to stop using if I were to get any sort of meaningful job, but and I was able to do that for many many years for the most part, sort of Epstein, but. You know, my medical condition had other plans. <laughs> so when I when I, in the years since finishing my undergraduate studies, I contracted a very debilitating type of insomnia, which I worked with my doctors for the several years since finishing college to treat, and I was placed on numerous different sleep aids and. I'll, I'll try to list all of them. So, Seroquel, Ambien, Lanesta, Benadryl, Trazodone, Clodipin, and over-the-counter sleep aids as well. So, so I would go to I'd go to Walmart or whatever, for example. I would try whatever sleeping pills they had, and then when those stopped working, it only worked for a few days or a few weeks. I would go to Target and I would try what they had. And then when when I would have the same result of that not working, I would just I would go to Walgreens and I would try to use what they have and see if that worked. And when I would get that same short short term fix or short term result, I would just keep rotating and keep trying the same sort of stuff, you know. You know, I'd keep rotating those same sleep aids over and over again until I got some sort of result, you know, even if it was just one day a week or two days a week that I got some sort of sleep, you know, it was, I settled for that, and I thought that that was better than, than getting nothing at all, you know, so when I was through with that, and 
I when I was through with that, I, I just didn't really know what to do, to do. I started even looking up untraditional sort of, of, of medications or untraditional sort of herbs. You know, I started going to, like, um, vitamin shop was one of my best buddies for a good good amount of time. So I was going, it was getting melatonin from them. Um, I was also... I was also getting whatever herbs that would be used or whatever vitamins could be used for, for, for sort of calming anxiety. So the, oftentimes they would have this sort of blend that had like chamomile, um, I think it had a valerian root mixed in, it had um, hops mixed in. I, I would try just all sorts of different vitamins with that would it would have would varying levels of, of of cocktails of different vitamins to see if that would help and like everything else it was it was only temporary or or, or short lasting at, at best and um, when when I had, I had run out of that I I tried um, something I tried a herb or a vitamin called kratom which has been gaining a lot of popularity. Um, so much popularity that it, it has been gaining that there have been people in the federal government that have been trying to ban it, saying that it's an opioid or it's an opioid-like substance that they have to regulate and jail people over, like 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 we do with everything in this country. So, but I mean, thankfully they they haven't done that yet, but they they definitely are trying if if you do your research on on, on kratom and you know, what lawmakers in, have been trying to do. And I think even in a few states, like like Wisconsin and I think Tennessee, I think there are other states that come to mind, but those are just the two I can think of that I know for a fact have outright banned Kratom. So, I mean, it's, it's on the mind, minds of these lawmakers to try to ban anything or a lot of things that give people relief. But um, I, I got some sort of help through Kratom, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that alone helped because I was, you know, I was just, I was just trying whatever strains. I was just trying. I, I wasn't really targeting the strains I was getting. I was just trying anything, and um, but the ones that did help were sort of were the green vein kratoms and the uh, the red ones. I've I've had some sort of success with, but. I wouldn't say that Kratom alone was very consistent in, in, in curing my insomnia, at least to me, I would say. Um, you know, I, I went through this for to various extents for about four to five years, and in 2016, I, I, sort, of got, I sort of reached the end of my rope, and I started considering using ma using marijuana so I would use I would get marijuana from my roommates from my roommate's friend who was a dealer at that time and I was using that but I wasn't really getting much reliability with that because when, when you get from a street dealer you're just getting what they have you know and oftentimes they don't really know what string they're growing they're just growing whatever seeds they get available for a cheap price and trying to flip whatever they grow for a cheap, for, for a profitable, for profitable price for themselves. So you're not really getting reliability, and I wasn't really getting reliability when I was 
when he was going that route. So, so once I once once I had been trying that, you know, I was getting some assistance, and that eventually led to me getting my medical marijuana card. So. I got my card, I would say, March of 2017, after, you know, after close to five years of dealing with this illness, and, and when, when I did that, I, I, I was open to trying non-smokable forms of marijuana, so I tried pills, I tried tinctures, and you know, the pill and tincture route doesn't really help me all that much, to be quite honest. And so I, so I realized that, so I realized that whatever would really work for me would be, or to any real consistency, was any indica sort of strain of, of cannabis or or, um, yeah, any indica smokable form or an edible, but edibles, but edibles are not really that affordable in my market right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried vape pens. Vape pens work, and they're pretty reliable for me, as, almost as, I mean, almost as reliable as smokable flour, in my opinion, but, again, my market, my, Massachusetts only really got their first medical dispensaries in three years ago in 2015. We have about, I would say, like 25 of them right now spread throughout the state, but that's still not nearly enough, and their prices are still pretty darn bad. You know, you know, we're supposed to get our first recreational dispensaries in the coming weeks, but you know, prices are still at about 15 to sometimes 20 a gram. So it's still not all that affordable, which is why a lot of the time I find myself buying pre-rolls or um, $15 pre-rolls or, um, or getting um, discounted eighths and, and, and discounted um, eighths that are for sale at, at, at some of the dispensaries that I go to. And I would say for like the strains that tend to work best for me for for my sleep are I would say are sweet tooth, any sort of Kush for the most part, except White Walker. Um, GG4 works very very well. I mean almost too well. I'm I sort of feel like I got hit by a truck when I wake up. But yeah, I mean so 24K is also a good strain I would recommend and. Dakini Kush is also another reliable and good strain that I like. And lastly, for the... I'd like to leave you guys with a um, recipe. I'd like, to, I'd like to end our, our shows with, with, with recipes, with practical recipes that work for people. I don't want to just give you guys the traditional pot brownie or pot cookie. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it, or not that there's anything wrong with that, but... I want to I, I want to give recipes that you know that we can that we don't normally think of when we think of edibles. So I got I got one recipe from one site called um called Weedus, and it's 
and the byline is from Waylon Campbell. And this recipe is a marijuana vinaigrette. And this, and I'm 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 always been a huge fan of um, vinaigrette. Really, only the real, the only real salad dressing I really tend to like, it, besides Italian. You know, if they was an island ranch, I, I I tend to not be able to stand. So for us vinaigrette lovers, I want to leave you with this cannabis vinaigrette. And here's what you'll need to create it. So here is what you're going to need to make this marijuana vinaigrette. You are going to need one teaspoon of minced garlic, one teaspoon of minced red onion, shallots can be subbed here instead. You're also going to need one to two teaspoons of basil slash oregano blend, dry or fresh depending on what you prefer. Fresh will likely taste better, but you're probably going to need to blend it longer to ensure that the herbs are good. And if you use a, a dry rendition of it, it's a, it'll be a good idea to add a little extra as dry herbs probably aren't as flavorful. And then also you're going to need one quarter cup of balsamic vinegar. So you can sub pretty much any other vinegar of your cheesing as well. You'll need one cup of canna oil, roughly that, and salt and pepper to taste. So if you have a, a blender or food processor, you should try to use that if, if you have that at your disposal. You're going to want to put everything but the oil, salt, and pepper into the blender or food processor tank and let it run to ensure everything gets well mixed. The key to, to any good salad dressing is the rate at which the oil is added to the blender and processor tank. You want to add the oil very slowly. A good rule of thumb to, to follow is to never let the thickness of the oil stream be greater than the thickness of a toothpick. Add it in this method until dressing is as thick as you like it. Less oil means a more watery salad dressing and, and, and less cannabis and less you know psychoactive effects. While using too much oil might give you a higher amount of, 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 of psychoactive effects or, or, or medical effects, but it will make it very thick and it will be the consistency of, of mayo, which I don't think most people want when they have a salad. Um, you can add oil until the dressing is thick enough to coat the tip of your finger. Not so watery that it drips off the tip, but not so thick that you end up taking a lot out with a finger dip. Once the thickness is, is where you like it, Add salt and pepper slowly. Mix briefly to taste again. Repeat this until the flavor is how you want it. And it goes great with Parmesan. So that wraps up the the recipe as to what you'll need to make a marijuana, marijuana vinaigrette. 
So that more or less wraps up our podcast. Stay tuned next week for when we'll discuss another medical ailment and go over how cannabis can provide relief for it. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story or and be featured on, on the podcast, feel free to email me at imcannabissativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram where my tag is I am Cannabis Sativa, just one S. Also check out our website, IamCannabisSativa.com. On this website, we have blog posts, links to the archives of our podcast, as well as other videos from cannabis experts from many walks of the field. In case some of you are listening out here and aren't yet convinced about the efficacy of medical marijuana for your chronic insomnia, I'm going to leave you with a clip of of a pretty great medical cannabis expert whose videos I initially watched when I was trying to consider marijuana for my sleep issues. This person is the marijuana expert, Dr. Rachina Patel. Please check out her video on YouTube. So have a good one, folks. Stay medicated, my friends, and let's Let us all show that all of us here who use it for medical purposes are hardworking, contributing members of society with our own ambitions, goals, and aspirations. Stay medicated, everyone. Peace. Hey there, welcome to Ask Dr. Patel, where I answer your questions about medical marijuana. I'm Dr. Patel. I specialize in the area of medical marijuana, which means that I step-by-step walk you through how to use marijuana for your particular medical conditions. So let's get started with today's question. It comes from Bill of Orinda, California, and here's what he writes. Dr. Patel, so far none of the other doctors have been able to help me with my trouble sleeping, but I'm hoping you can. I've struggled with sleep since as far back as I can remember. I'm now 55 and it's only gotten worse over the years. I've had a really hard time falling asleep since I was a teenager. I lay in bed for hours with my mind racing. I think I've tried everything I possibly can try for my difficulty sleeping over the past 25 years. Over-the-counter sleeping aids like Unisom and ZQL have left me feeling hungover in the morning. Melatonin doesn't work. I took Ambien for several years, but that stuff has some pretty scary side effects. Like one time, I ended up buying a bunch of stuff on Amazon and didn't realize that I did until the packages arrived at my front door. Another time, I woke up in the middle of the night, turned the car on, and was about to drive off to who knows where. Luckily, my wife heard the garage door open and stopped me before I could drive off. Even when Ambien did help me sleep, I never woke up feeling fully well-rested. I'd be groggy the following day, which made it really hard for me to focus at work. As I entered my mid-40s, like just about every other man in America out there, I started snoring. And I'm sure, just like every other wife in America, it drove my wife nuts. Eventually, she insisted that I get checked out by a doctor. Sure enough, it turned out to be sleep apnea. My doctors gave me this really weird contraption to wear. It was attached to what's called a CPAP machine. I tried my best to make it work, but it was all so uncomfortable that I could hardly sleep. After about six months, I just gave up on it. Now, I'm back to where I started. The only difference is is that my loving wife has sentenced me to the guest bedroom 
until I can get my snoring under control. Recently, I was telling a friend of mine about my difficulties sleeping. He happened to have some marijuana on hand that he gave me. I have to say, I was definitely surprised. I had the best sleep I had ever had in years. Was this just a fluke? Does marijuana really help with sleep? Sincerely, Bill. So, Bill, I totally get it. If there's one medical condition that I can completely relate to, it's difficulty sleeping. Going through medical training in emergency medicine, there were times when I worked 90 hours in a period of five days. I can relate to that feeling of being desperate for sleep. In fact, at the time, I was having so much difficulty sleeping that I decided to pay a visit to my primary care doctor. Now, she gave me a prescription for Ambien. I came home and thoroughly researched all the adverse effects and decided there's no way I'm taking this. Unfortunately, at the time, I lived in a state where medical marijuana was deemed illegal. But I know if I lived in a state where it was legal, it's the first thing I would have turned to. So, to answer your question, I want to first talk about the research on medical marijuana for sleep, specifically sleep apnea. The study I'm going to share with you was done using a medication called dronabinol. It's a man-made version of THC, and it's one of the chemicals that marijuana makes a lot of. In the United States, dronabinol is approved by the FDA to help reduce nausea and vomiting in patients undergoing chemotherapy for cancer especially when the prescription anti-nausea medications just aren't cutting it. So this particular study was done on 17 adults that had been diagnosed with sleep apnea. The study measured the number of pauses in breathing these patients had while they were sleeping. The pauses in breathing can last anywhere from seconds to minutes, and they occur pretty often, up to, I would say, around 30 or more times in an hour. When the patients start to breathe normally again, they may make a snorting or choking sound. It's these pauses in breathing that disrupt the sleep cycle. And it's because these patients go from a state of deep sleep to light sleep. So a lot of times they'll complain um, uh, of waking up feeling really unrested and they'll, they'll say that they feel really tired the following day. Now, when this study was completed, the researchers found a significant reduction, specifically 32% in the number of pauses in breathing in 15 of the 17 patients. And none of the patients reported any adverse effects from the dronabinol. Now, on to what I love to share uh, most, which are the results that I see in my practice. To start off with, I found that I need to treat patients with mild to moderate insomnia much differently than patients who have moderate to severe insomnia. The other thing is, is that um, I have to treat patients that have difficulty falling asleep differently than patients who have difficulty staying asleep. Now, in terms of results, uh, many of my patients report back that number one, they're able to fall asleep more easily with medical marijuana. Number two, they, they're able to stay asleep with it throughout the night. Number three, they fall back asleep easily if they happen to wake up in the middle of the night. Number four, they average about seven to eight hours of sleep. And number five, they, feel up, they, they wake up feeling refreshed rather than groggy. So Bill, I hope you find this information helpful. I also hope it's helpful for anybody else out there that's looking for more information on using medical marijuana for sleep. Now, if you have any questions for me, go ahead and post them in the comment section below, and I'll try my best to answer these questions in a future video blog. Thanks so much.